The Chinese, first of all, do things more quickly. They act fast, fail fast, very decisive. And in terms of innovation, they're very pragmatic. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. That's George Yip. At the Innovation Roundtable Summit in Copenhagen, George and our colleague Kim discussed learnings from the Chinese innovation ecosystem and the differences between innovation in China and the West. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, uh, Professor George Yip, and thank you so much for the presentation earlier, and we're very happy to have you here at Innovation Roundtable. Yes, I'm very happy to be here also. It's been very interesting so far. So perhaps we could start with you introducing yourself and your role. Okay, I'm an Emeritus Professor of Marketing and Strategy at Imperial College Business School. Imperial College is one of the world's very top technology universities, but I've been at many other business schools as well. And most relevantly at China Europe International Business School, which is the top business school in China, where I was doing the research about innovation in China, which is what I've come here to talk about. All right. Um, and I was listening to your talk earlier, and, and I was hoping that you could elaborate more on, is there a unique set of characteristics that set Chinese leadership or management styles apart from the West? Oh, yes, there definitely are. And what we, my co-authors and I studied was in relation to innovation. So um, the Chinese, first of all, do things more quickly. So they act fast, fail fast, very decisive. And in terms of innovation, they're very pragmatic. Certainly the companies are not interested in winning Nobel Prizes. Um, they want to make money. So it's fast, incremental innovations that start to add up. And could you give some examples on how these management styles are actually good for innovation? Well, we have to look, first of all, at the China context. So um, China's market economy started pretty much exactly 40 years ago. So they were playing catch up. So initially, they had to take Western and Japanese and Korean products and adapt them for the Chinese market. So they had to do some basic innovation to make simpler, cheaper products. But over time, they then started to design products specifically for the Chinese market. And then eventually, some of them started designing products for the uh, global market. So if you look at someone like Hire, the um, major appliances company, now the largest in the world, they started out with very small uh, innovations, like for the US market, uh, refrigerator for college dormitories that doubled up as a desk, they just put in a wooden tabletop. But today, Hire has waterless uh, washing machines, so a real innovation. They also did an interesting innovation, which is they pioneered a three-compartment refrigerator for the US market. The third compartment being at a temperature in between the ice box and the regular uh, fridge. It was designed to store the food that is the most important for Americans. What is that? Ice cream. When you take it out of that intermediate temperature, it is ready to eat immediately. And that's because they figured out that Americans don't like to wait. So it took a Chinese company to figure that out and to invest in the innovation uh, time and money to design that and the manufacturing capability to build it as well. Or today you have Huawei, which actually is the world leader in 5G, the next generation of mobile communication. And for example, if I was a business, what, what would you recommend to me um, as a good approach of understanding Chinese uh, innovation? Well, I, I think for a company, you've got to look at your company. And first of all, are you doing business in China? If so, you almost certainly have to do some innovation in China to adapt for the Chinese market. But apart from that, you may also think we could use China as an R&D base because they have very large numbers of lower cost engineers 
and scientists. It is a very dynamic market. The uh, consumers are very demanding, very diverse conditions. So you could also use China to innovate for the world. And thirdly, because Chinese companies themselves are increasingly the competitors of Western companies, non-Chinese companies, you really need to go there to learn about your current and future competitors as well. And now that you mentioned that, could you just um, say a bit more about why is it important to learn from China? Well, it is now the second largest economy in the world. Um, this year's Fortune Global 500 list has the number of Chinese companies almost as many as the number of American companies. By next year, they'll have overtaken them. So Chinese companies are really extremely important now in the global economy. The China economy is very important. And China is starting to innovate as well as going beyond imitation, which is the subtitle of one of my books. So from imitation to innovation. So really, the question is more like, why shouldn't you learn from China? And uh, what should be taken into consideration when deciding to participate uh, in the Chinese market? Well, the key thing, of course, is that to go to China, you must bring something that China doesn't have. This could be technology. It could be product design. It could be a business model or even the way you manage. So there's still lots of scope for non-Chinese companies to go in and build a profitable business if they go about it in the right way, which may, for example, involve working with Chinese partners, including innovation partners. And could you give some guidelines that non-Chinese companies could take um, to successfully participate and also integrate in, the, integrate in the Chinese market? Well, of course, the Chinese market is more different than nearly any other foreign. If, let's say you're an American company or a Western European company. China is more different than any other country you're going to go into, at least as a major market. And it's going to have a lot of competitors and it has a lot of government regulation. So you have to understand. And thirdly, the, cons the customers are different. So you've got three things going that are very different, the government, the competitors, and the customers. And you have to learn to deal with all of them. And now you, were, you mentioned uh, regulations. Um, what are your thoughts on some regu regulatory concerns that some non-Chinese uh, companies have upon entering the Chinese market? Well, First of all, in terms of innovation, is the issue of the protection of intellectual property rights. Yeah. So China, of course, has not been nearly as strong as Western countries. But that said, it is rapidly improving. Um, as of two years ago, more Chinese companies sued other Chinese companies for infringement of IPR than Western companies, so than non-Chinese companies suing Chinese companies. So now Chinese companies and the government recognize that Chinese companies have a lot of IPR to protect. So the government is investing more in uh, intellectual property courts. It's improving the procedures, speeding them up. So it is all steadily improving. All right. And how do you see China's in, um, innovative power developing and perhaps even other uh, emerging markets in Asia developing in the next five years? Um, well, Chinese government has put in a lot of money into the basic infrastructure of uh, science and technology. They're really after all we saw at the beginning of this year, they were able to reach the backside of the moon. So you know, it's now gone beyond the earth. Um, and then Chinese companies are investing tremendously in research capabilities. So someone like Huawei has a research facility in Milan, Italy for microwave technology. Or they're buying uh, Western companies for their technology. Medea bought um, a German company that's leading uh, that's uh, leading in robotics technology, KUKA. So Chinese companies are moving faster and faster in terms of innovation. 
Um, in terms of other Asian countries, I, I, you won't see much other than Japan and Korea, which are already developed and ahead of China, but not in scale anymore. I don't think the other Asian countries other than you know, uh, will, will be that important. And um, what would be your message to those that are somehow still skeptical to the innovative power of China? Just go there and see. Um, and also, lastly, um, with all your research, what would be your most important learning so far? I think that uh, for a Western company to go in there, you have to retain your strengths while adapting to the strengths of China, right? So your integrity, your quality, but probably the key message is do it faster. Everything is faster in China. So um, bring what you have, but, doing far, but do it faster. All right, excellent. Thank you so much, George, for this interview, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the summit. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for listening. You can find our show in most podcast apps. Subscribe for free to get the latest episodes. The video and the transcript of this podcast and all of our other exclusive interviews can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with thousands of other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation, HR, and marketing practitioners in large firms. So visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your 15-day free trial account.